Rewind with Oshin Langan. I feel we have a, a, a pretty strong squad at this stage, but look, we know it's going to be it's going to be tested in the white heater battle the next next weekend. Um, we we know we're going to be going in as underdogs, and um, that, that's that's where the three tests are going to be. And uh, look, now the real work starts. Obviously, everyone has to look at the opposition as well, and we have to look at the opposition we are playing, which is Waterford. It's a system, you know, that it's difficult to counteract. There's no doubt about that. But you know, they, they tweaked it in, in the quarterfinal against Dublin, and they're capable of tweaking it again. Realistically, what we're facing is a very, very good team, very, very good hurlers. It's tough. There's no doubt about it because the competition is really high, and you know, in the squad, you want to have an edge, and, and that's what Joe Schmidt will want um, every time they go out on, on the field. Chelsea, four times champion in the last. Uh in the last decade, Arsenal, fantastic club with great players. Uh, Liverpool, an amazing uh, investment. Man City, <laughs> the squad is is to laugh, and uh, also a, a club with with two Premier Leagues in the last uh, four or five years. And Man United with everything, the history, the players, the investment. <laughs> so everybody will be there. This is the Rewind on News Talk. I'm Oshin Langan. We're coming to you a little bit later this week because of the bank holiday. We're a little bit lazy. You know yourself. Uh, in there, you heard from Kilkenny boss Brian Cody ahead of this weekend's All-Ireland semi-final against Waterford. That's on, on Sunday. On Saturday, it's the two remaining All-Ireland football quarterfinals. Tyrone taking on Monaghan at four. That's live on Off the Ball. At six o'clock, it's Mayo against Donegal. You heard from Tyrone's Sean Kavanagh uh, speaking there about the youngsters that have been blooded through the qualifiers and their run through the back door, they've done pretty well since being knocked out of the Ultra Championship by Donegal. In rugby, Ireland play the first of their World Cup warm-ups against uh, Wales and Cardiff this weekend. We're going to hear more from Alan Quinlan on how players approach this time of the season, particularly in a Rugby World Cup year. The Premier League is back this Saturday. It all kicks off again. Chelsea manager Jose Mourinho has been talking about uh, the pretenders to their crown. Uh, on Sunday, we've got two live and exclusive games on Off the Ball as West Ham meet Arsenal and Stoke host Liverpool. It is with the Premier League we start, and as we say next Saturday, it's underway again. Paddy Mulligan, former Chelsea and Ireland defender, joins us. Paddy, it's an exciting time for those involved. Yeah, because I mean, all, all the hard work they've done now, they've had their, they've had their pre-season, and, and, and most of them should have had, had really good pre-season, except one or two who might have picked up a few niggly injuries that's going to set them back. But by and large, I mean, they've... they've they're raring now to go, I would, I would imagine. At least in, in, in my day, we certainly were. You know, everybody's looking forward to the, to the start of the season and get the, get the first game under your belt. What are you looking to do in the first game, particularly in the first few minutes of the first game? Well, you're looking to get, you're looking to get settled down and get a touch on the ball and, and, and get your confidence going and make sure that you, that you, that you don't give it away and that you, that you, you pass it to, 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 to a colleague in, in, in a better position. And, and of course, you're, you're, you're hoping then that you're going to... Um, at the, at the very at the, at the very least, get a draw out of the game, depending on whether you're, who, who you're away to or whether you're at home or not. If you're if you if you're against one of the the, the lesser teams, you're saying, well, you need to get, you need to start picking up three points. If you're away at at, at, at the Man United or the Liverpools or the Arsenal or the Chelsea's or the Spurs and 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 Man Cities and, and clubs like that, you might be you might be happy with a point. But I've always felt that the best time to catch any of those top teams. At the very at the first six or seven games, because they're not fully players aren't fully tuned in until about six or seven games. You know, they get their match fitness levels uh, right, so that that could be a good time to, to take points from the from the from the top teams. You mentioned Manchester United. There are still some question marks about them, particularly 
in defence and of course it looks like Anangel Di Maria is, is out the door now if he goes does that kind of undermine Louis van Gaal because he brought him in at a massive cost last season and it just didn't work yeah and it's, it's, it's very disappointing because Angel Di Maria did, did very well early on in the season um, he got a, a smashing goal as we recall against Leicester City when, when, when you know he got beaten 5-3 and I, I don't think that was all down to Angel Di, uh, Di Maria he had been brilliant the previous season uh, over in Spain, and and, and it's, it's just it was just crazy the way the the the, the season unfolded. Now perhaps uh, the role that he was asked to play by Van Van Hal uh, uh, didn't suit him. I always felt he was better at, at drifting from right to left, and and it, it, it let him be a, maybe a free spirit to a, to a, to a great degree. But I think he, he, he was I think he he was, he was dovetailed into into a position that uh, sort of don't don't move. Just stay either wide on the left or wide on the right, and I'm not so sure that that that's, that's, uh, that that suits his style, his style of play. I think he just wants to go and drift across the line and and make it difficult for opponents to go and pick him up. It's all very well passing him on, but if if, if you're not doing into picking him up, well then you you could be in trouble. I think that's where he he got most of his space. Raf Diallo of Team 33 and Off the Ball is with us here. Team 33, of course, the football podcast. Just in case you've forgotten that over the summer, because they took a break. We didn't take a break, Paddy, <laughs> you and I, but uh, the lads on Team 33 did. Uh, Raf, the defensive question, that's the one that also hangs over Manchester United. Yeah, um, that's something actually, Paddy, I'd love to kind of ask you about as well. Do you think they still need a centre-half, don't they? Because oh, when you definitely. look at the options they have, they've Rojo, who is solid, they have Smalling, who I'm not very sure about still, and they've Phil Jones, who can be a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, I, I think they're very, very weak at the back, and that could be their accurate hill, because, because unless they unless they show their up, that's why they're probably going in now for the likes of John Stones. But John Stones, at Everton, is still a very, very young man. His, his best move, I think, if Stones were to leave Everton, would be to go to... to the Chelsea was going to get time to fit in, whereas at Man United, if he, if, he, if he were to go to Man United, he'd be thrown in at the deep end. And I know he's done well uh, for Everton, but, but going to Man United is a different kettle of fish as well. A few players have, have, have found out. I'm not, I'm not a great lover of Jones. I'm not a great lover of Smalling either, or of Rojo. Um, I think there, I think there's three very, very poor defenders. They get away with it uh, because of the paucity of, of some of the attack and play from 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 the opposition. But they, they uh, at, at European level. There would certainly be found out. There's no, there's, I've, I've got no doubt about that. Uh, and uh, unless, he, unless he, he remedies uh, the defensive situation, well, then he, he, he could be in trouble. Now, Sky News, Sky Sports News are doing their thing today where they're visiting all of the grounds, 92 uh, clubs in the Football League. One of them was Chelsea. He dropped in on Jose Mourinho, Jim White this is. And Jose seems to think the top four of last season will most likely be the top four of this season. But Liverpool fans would have something to say about that. Uh, do you think they've 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 signed enough to put them into that conversation? Ian Eyre, the chief executive, has said today as part of that uh, ninety-two club thing that Sky are doing that they've got everyone they wanted in the transfer window mm, they, so far. Yeah, they said they said the same last year. Look what happened. You know, I mean, I know I, I know who they lost Suarez and, and Suarez is irreplaceable, a magnificent, magnificent player. Um, but the players that they brought in last year, the likes of Lanana, uh, never, never really did a top Ricky Lambert. Uh, didn't do anything, and, and uh, it's just a, it's just a, a walk and disaster for for uh, for Liverpool last season. It's such a such a dreadful season. I happen to think that Liverpool punched way above their weight the previous season. I think that Suarez dragged them through every game and made players play better than what they actually are. 
and 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 uh, I, I feel that was all down to Suarez, not much Brendan Rodgers, all down to, all down to Suarez because he was making the runs. And if you watched Suarez last season for Barcelona, he was creating so much space for Neymar and for Messi. Not that Messi and Neymar are incapable of creating space for themselves, but he was creating even more because it took two or three players to go and watch Suarez. It took two or three players to watch Neymar and Messi. So therefore, you've got people tied up all over the place. And Suarez was a catalyst for, for Barcelona's great season last season, I feel, and also for Liverpool. But, but, but coming back to, to this season, um, Liverpool have got to hit the ground running. They've got, they've, they've got a huge game next Sunday against Stoke City, who, who hammered them 6-1 in the last game of the season. So if that doesn't if that doesn't rile uh, Liverpool players up to getting revenge very very quickly and very sweetly, well then well then nothing will. Then Tekki scored a wonderful goal the other night, but Paris scored some Paris scored wonderful goals and then do nothing for the rest of the season. So and, and, and the jury in my head would still be very much out on on Liverpool. I would expect them, um, with all of the players that they've bought, uh, to go and do an awful lot better than they did last year. And I think their saving grace could be that Man City might be the ones uh, to suffer uh, this, this coming season. I'm not so sure they're in, they're, they're in the right zone uh, at this moment in time. And, and for, a, for, a, for a bit of a surprise packet, um, uh, perhaps Arsenal, not because they won the community field and on Sunday, that absolutely means nothing. I think Arsenal have done, have, have done very well. I think they've got the signing of the season thus far in Petrocek. And if he can but, save them 15 or 16 goals a season... God knows how many points he would save, and if they can replicate uh, uh, what they did last season in the second part of the season, well, I think they only conceded 13 goals in 19 games, and that was that was, that was a smashing defensive performance from Arsenal. They could very well be the the surprise packet to go and actually go and win the Premiership. But, but, uh, but it's think, overdue for Arsenal. Sorry, yeah, Paddy. Just on um, Arsenal as well. I know Petr Cech's going to he he's already looking like he's shoring up that defence. But do you think they still need another centre forward? Because I'm not too sure Olivier Giroud is the man to fire them to a Premier League title. Yeah, not not alone. In my estimation, they, they need a, another centre forward. They also need a, another central defender because I'm not I'm not overly in love with, with uh, Mertesacker or Kachani. Uh, yes, they didn't put a foot wrong for, for the, maybe the second part of the season, but they need, they need to be doing that for every game of the season, not just starting in in, in January or February. They need they, they need to hit the ground running uh, this uh, this weekend and start picking up the points and start saying we're solid. We're not going to concede because when you when you when you when you hark back to to, to that uh, great Arsenal uh, back four of, of Dixon, uh, um, Bold, Adams, and and and, and Winterbourne. I mean, they were fabulous. They just didn't take any prisoners, and this is what Arsenal have got to do. And and if they if they can do that, they've got they've got they've got the skill in midfield. Yes, they need somebody else up front because Giroud can blow very hot and cold. Yes, he can go on a run and, and, and score maybe twelve goals in ten games, but he needs to be far more consistent than that as well. Okay, Paddy Mulligan, formerly of uh, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, and Ireland, among others, and no doubt a. F- very happy Galway man today because Galway are in the All-Ireland semi-final the week after next and Galway United have reached the EA Sports Cup final with a dramatic win over Dundalk on penalties uh, look we could talk all day about the Premier League and we could preview it for the, the week that runs up to it there's four days to kick off as we speak and we could talk about different angles we could fill that time from now on till then uh, but look we will cover everything as the season goes on there are certain teams we didn't get to talk about today but no doubt we will chat about them throughout the season for now though Paddy Mulligan and Raf Diallo thank you very much Thank you Ocean Cheers This is the Rewind on News Talk we're coming to you a little bit later this week due to the bank holiday weekend still to come Alan Quinlan 
on Ireland's World Cup preparations. But first, it's Gaelic Games. Soon we'll look ahead to the hurling semi-final this Sunday between Kilkenny and Waterford. And we'll also take a bit of a peek at uh, Tipperary and Galway at the week after. Uh, but first, it's Gaelic football. And the last two semi-finalists will be unveiled this weekend as Monaghan take on Tyrone and Mayo meet Donegal in the quarterfinals on Saturday, the last of the four quarterfinals. Last weekend, of course, there were wins for Kerry and Dublin. Let's look ahead to those games now with former Roscommon player and Sky Sports analyst Paul Early. Uh, Paul, after last week's lopsided games, how much do we need good or at the very least tight matches this Saturday? Well, look, I think the expectation coming into this weekend is that we'll have two close matches. Certainly the drone monaghan game Looks like being a very tight game. Tyrone obviously have form behind them, playing very well, playing a very fast, pacey game. And Monaghan, with the with a couple of weeks break, um, would have got obviously whatever niggles or injuries they might have had, got them sorted out. Uh, and there's a there's a great tradition the rivalry between those two teams. Uh, so I expect that one to be very close. Uh, and um, I think the the expectation for the second game is something similar. Uh, although, you know, a note of caution in that. Two years ago, we had the same expectation when uh, uh, Donegal were beaten by Monaghan and then came through the first round of the qualifiers against Leash. And we all thought it was going to be a very tight, competitive game. We remember what happened to Mayo just on that occasion. I uh, don't anticipate it'll be, it'll be that type of a margin this weekend. But look, I think everyone's looking forward to these two games, particularly after the, the, the weekend, particularly the Sunday, the two games on Sunday. And uh, they, they should be close. Sometimes we talk about a clash of styles making a game interesting. If anything, it's the same style meeting itself or the same kind of style of one team meeting the same kind of style of another team as uh, Tyrone take on Monaghan. So in some ways, you might expect them to cancel each other out. Quite possibly. Um, and from that perspective, then you would expect a low-scoring game. Uh, Tyrone, certainly, I've watched in the last few weeks and they have certainly perfected their defensive structure. They dropped two players back uh, either side of the D to protect the full back line. And what's really impressive is their counter-attacking ability. They counter-attack at pace. They do everything at pace. And the quality of their interplay was very impressive. Their skill level is very high. And it is difficult to beat a team or to play against a team who plays at that level of pace. Now, yeah, you're right, absolutely. Monaghan are quite similar, um, you know, Notably, over the last few years, you've seen Monaghan, you know, strip, strip opposition players, attackers, and then just counterattack with lightning speed. Um, so you're you're right in that respect. So it'll be it'll be a real tactical battle. It'll be very interesting, intriguing to see which side or if if, if either side does anything a bit differently. Because sometimes in games like this, you're looking to the coaches to see right is there anything different that we can bring uh, that might just unlock the key to the opposition defence. Uh, you know, Tyrone have the option probably of going long with Sean Kavanagh uh, in the full forward line. Uh, Monaghan probably don't have that option um, because obviously Conor McMahon is their, their key forward, but he plays more of a running, you know, mm-hmm. movement game out to the wings, picking up ball, running out to the centre. So uh, it'd be just interesting to see if, if there's any variation in the tactics, but I'd expect a low scoring uh, game, but an intriguing game nonetheless. I suppose we know how important systems are and we know how important it is to implement them, but is it still about how much you can get out of certain individuals? And um, when I say that, I suppose I'll, I'll shine a light on, on McManus for Monaghan and maybe Peter Hart for Tyrone. Yeah, that is true. Um, ultimately, in games like that, it might be a piece of magic that wins it. Uh, and you're looking to the creative players to deliver that 
moment of inspiration that could just turn a game. It might be a goal opportunity or a goal chance that's created. Uh, we saw it last week uh, with Donegal against Galway. Colin McFadden, you know, winning the ball and then just a couple of little dummies that got him past a player to open up an opportunity or Michael Murphy knocked down um, from a, a, a cross-field pass. Something like that that might just be, as I said, the key to unlock a defence. So you're looking at players like uh, Colin McMa- uh, McManus, uh, Sean Kavanagh again, McCurry, um, Darren, Darren Hughes, uh, Kieran Hughes, those players, uh, high-quality players that can... Uh, produced, said that moment of inspiration. But I think when, you, when I look at um, Tyrone, some of their key players are really coming into form. Peter Hart, you mentioned, uh, top quality player, very consistent throughout the, the campaign. I think Matty Donnelly is really finding his form after a, a sluggish start. Last couple of games, he's been outstanding. Uh, and uh, and of course, on, on the, the opposition side, Carl Connor, at wing back, played really well for. Uh, for Monaghan so look that, that one's going to be a really exciting game and uh, one that I'm certainly looking forward to is, I think the whole country is Now Monaghan have had a great record in Ulster in recent seasons two titles out of three but there is question marks over whether or not they can evolve over whether or not they can develop over whether or not they can reach the All-Ireland semi-final what do they have to do and how much does that pressure weigh you down as a player or maybe even a manager when those question marks are on you and you're kind of still looking to prove people wrong even after a successful season so far? Well, I think Monaghan, to be fair to them, they have continued to prove people wrong over the last few years with a relatively small pick and a team, uh, a group of players who have, you know, gone to the well so many times over the years, struggled to make the breakthrough in Ulster, and many people thought that, you know, their time had had gone. And suddenly a new manager comes in, uh, you know, brings a level of of quality in terms of coaching, high-level of quality, um, belief, and, and we saw, you know, they've won two titles in three years. So they won't lack in belief. And I think they have a system that has been proven uh, to be successful. I don't see them deviating from that uh, because if you can play to a system and believe in that system and everyone in the squad believes that the system will, will support them and will work when things are under pre- when, when the games are in the melting pot and when they're under extreme pressure, uh, they should stay with that. And I think what's been noticeable about uh, Monaghan other than the Donegal game, where they obviously almost let a lead slip in the end, in previous games they they finished very strongly, and that's a sign of a really good team. Um, you know, against Cavan they were they were you know under the caution, they finished strongly uh, against Fermanagh. They did the same, uh, and uh, I think this year they've added an extra dimension in that they, their bench is making a difference. Um, where previously maybe they didn't have the level of quality in the bench. So I don't think they'll want for belief at all. I think it'll be just, let's believe in the system, let's go out and con- continue to play the way we're playing, high intensity, high level of quality. You know, Vinnie Corey playing that, you know, abrasive, hard-running, tight-marking game that he, he, he plays. And uh, I think they will trust that to do them do them justice in the, in the, in the, in the game against Toronto. We'll get a prediction in just a moment. But first, what about the second game? Mayo taking on Donegal. Mayo have looked very good so far. But really, this is a step up in, in, in class, uh, opponent-wise, for the Connacht champions. No doubt about that. Uh, no doubt. And, you know, the question is always been, you know, if if uh, have they had a tough enough um, run into this, which is going to be a very competitive game. Uh, now, you look back two years ago, they beat uh, London in the Connacht final uh, by a fairly sizable margin. Uh, and people were asking the same question, you know, did they have enough 
um, competitive matches before they played Donegal. And of course, then they beat Donegal, scored four, was it 16 or 17 or 18 against them in the quarterfinals. So they will be fresh coming into this game. And that's a big advantage. You contrast that with Donegal, who have had, what is it, five games now, uh, picked up a couple of serious injuries, Carl Lacey out uh, last week, um, Eamon McGee um, went off injured, Paddy McBrearty went off injured. Uh, so those games are, you know, putting a lot of pressure on the players. They've been around for four or five years. And at times they look a, a tired team. And then at times they look sensational as they did for patches in the second half. But I think it was their top four or five players in that second half, the, 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 the big players that came to the fore when they, when they really needed them. Um, and if they are held or if they don't have that same level of influence against Mayo, they look quite an ordinary team without, without the influence of those big players. So I think it's advantage Mayo because of their freshness and because of the quality that they showed against Sligo, albeit Sligo, you know, the system that Sligo played that day played into Mayo's hands. But I think Mayo with Tom Parsons at midfield, that's added, that's added a new dimension. You know, Jeremy O'Connor went forward. Uh, second year, he's making a difference. And, and obviously, Aidan O'Shea playing at full forward, uh, who nobody appears to be able to mark at this stage of the championship. So I think it's advantage Mayo going into this one. Do you think Donegal could mark Aidan O'Shea out of it? I mean, <laughs> Neil McGee is, is an expert fullback, but also, you know, he's got that defence around him and it, it's, a, it's a pretty intense defensive unit that they've got. Well, I don't think... Um, if Eamon McGee is fit, I would imagine Eamon McGee will take it because Neil McGee generally takes the, the, the quicker, more dangerous forward. So uh, he may take uh, uh, Killian O'Connor, for example, uh, because it, it, he's comfortable out the field as well and sometimes the smaller, quicker uh, marquee forwards tend to play out the field as well at times. So Neil McGee may mark him and Eamon may mark... Um, um, Aidan O'Shea look I, I think he will trouble any fullback in the country uh, I've no doubt that Donegal will have extra players back to support and while he may win ball in the air and is likely to win a fair bit of ball in the air if Mayo play that route uh, the question will be will it be so crowded around him when he hits the ground that he won't be able to do much and I think Donegal will probably play like that uh, to limit the influence that he has uh, but it is a great asset uh, in your armory, and it's something that I think a lot of people have been have been looking to Mayo over the last couple of years for. You know that target man in the full forward that could make the difference between them. You know, being the the, the the nearly team and and the team that gets across the line in the big day. And I think if Mayo confuse which brother does what, like I just have, they might be in a bit of trouble. But uh, Paul, you, you spotted it, you rescued me. Just before I let you go, question marks over Mayo's defence. Well, is it is it question marks or is it just a case that they haven't been tested? Because I, I keep hearing uh, on the Sunday game panel in particular that they're they're not strong enough in defence, they're not nasty enough in defence. Do you think those are, are fair comments, or will we only know that when they come up against Donegal? Look, they're fair. They're fair comments in that they have leaked goals at crucial stages in big games over the last few years that have lost them huge games. You know, you go back to the, uh, the All-Ireland final against Dublin, where they were on top early on two years ago. And then, you know, a long ball goes in, the goalkeeper and the fullback go for it, and Bernard Brogan gets a fist in between the two of them. That should not happen. We, you know, the previous year, not necessarily the, against the goal, the goal that Michael Murphy scored, because that was a, a brilliant individual goal, but it was the next goal after that. The mistake was made, and then the game went away from them. Last year, five points up against Kerry, they leaked a goal with a couple of minutes to go. 
So it's it's those I suppose those incidents that have you know highlight to a lot of people that there isn't deficiency in the full back line when the pressure is on, and they need to uh, shore that defence up in, in in a big way. And, and I'm not sure if they have the personnel um, changes may, this year to do that. So perhaps, and we don't know what Mayo have been doing behind closed doors in the last uh, six months in preparation. Perhaps they're going to. Um, um, drop players back. Perhaps they're going to put up a defensive screen against uh, against teams, uh, maybe a team like Donegal. Because I thought last week against Galway, when when, when Galway put brought players back, Donegal struggled in the first half to open them up. Um, so, um, so look, that remains to be seen. Um, Tom Parsons, I know, was tried there in the last ten minutes of the game against uh, Sligo. He's not an actual fullback, very good midfielder. So they're still trying, I think, to plug that hole, plug that gap. But uh, as I said, it remains to be seen, uh, and uh, we'll see on, on Saturday if uh, if if they have uh, if they have shored that up. I leave the last, or I leave the hardest question until last. What's your prediction for both games? I think Monaghan <clears throat> very marginally. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me either way, but I just think Monaghan uh, are on a mission this year. Two years ago, Jerome beat them in that famous game, the, the, the Sean Kavanagh, Conor McManus incident, pull-down incident. Uh, that's uh, certainly made a difference. Uh, even though Tyrone beat them in the championship last year, I think Tyrone, or, or Monaghan beat them in the championship, Tyrone, or Monaghan itching to get back to, to Crow Park and, and avenge that. Uh, and I think the, the couple of weeks break might have done them a lot of good. Uh, second game, I think Mayo are in the driving seat. I just think uh, Tyrone or Donegal hanging on by their their fingernails at this stage. Uh, they look tired at times, and then, as I said, they have some. They have the genius of a Murphy and a McFadden and and, and a couple of other players to call on. But uh, they will need more than that to beat Mayo. They will need everybody functioning, and they haven't shown that their defence has been porous, and uh, it doesn't look as if they would be able to. To, um, to sort that out in, 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 in a week. So I'd go for Mayo on the second game. OK, Paul Early, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. This is the Rewind on News Talk. Remember, you can contact us at any stage on mondayrewind at newstalk.com. Uh, more on the football to come across the week on Off the Ball with live commentary of Monaghan and Tyrone on Off the Ball this Saturday at four. Uh, but now it's hurling and on Sunday, All-Ireland champions Kilkenny meet Waterford in the semi-final. Former All-Ireland winning player and manager Nicky English joined us earlier to talk about the game and I started by asking him what he's made of the hurling championship season so far. Well, I suppose it's generally been a bit disappointing. We haven't had um, you know, any major classic games really, you could say. I suppose the, the Leinster final, Galway and Kilkenny was probably the best game uh, in terms of the competitiveness of it. The Munster final I was a bit disappointed with, to be honest. And uh, you know, A lot of the games have been a bit one-sided, really. So probably not the excitement of other years, but I'm, I'm hoping from semi-final stage on now, I, I think that the, the, the games, I, I'm expecting better games and much more competitive games. And the first of those semi-finals is this Sunday, Waterford taking on Kilkenny. Have you seen anything from Waterford so far that would suggest to you that they could possibly beat Kilkenny? Um, I, I have seen plenty that, to think that they'll, they will be very dangerous for Kilkenny as to whether they can ultimately beat him I'm not so sure but I think Kilkenny wouldn't want to take uh, Waterford lightly and, and from everything I've read so far they they don't appear like they are Waterford are, have been very impressive for me they've you know they've a lot of very very good and very skillful young players and they're working really hard and they're putting in huge energy levels and uh, you know I, I think the circumstances of the game, Ocean, are, are, are set up nicely for Watford as well. You know, they 
they were under a certain amount of pressure in the Munster final. You know, they they had to go to Turles to play Tipperary, and then they had a they had a must win game against Dublin, who were probably more experienced and physically stronger than them. And uh, you know, then when so this time they actually have nothing to lose against uh, Kilkenny. So that could be a that's a that's that's not a bad setup for them now, really. So I'd expect them. I'd be very surprised if they don't play well on Sunday. Whether it's good enough in the end, I'm not so sure, but. I expect Waterford will play well. And for Waterford's game plan, I suppose we maybe need to look more at the Munster final than the quarter final against Dublin. But in that game, they pucked away an awful lot of ball. They missed an awful lot of chances. And while they were close enough to Tipperary in the end, if they do the same again against Kilkenny, one fears from a Waterford point of view that the result will be the same. Yeah, I think that would be the key for Waterford. I, I, I actually, you know, you, you hear some criticism of their system of play. I, I, I'm, I'm not... Uh, I don't agree with that criticism. I, I don't think it's their system. I think it suits them pretty well. Uh, it's a bit more exaggerated than what the other teams are doing in terms of, of crowd in the middle. But it's it, it's not that you know it, it's not that different. Ultimately, it's the same model. But I think really they they make hard work sometimes, particularly in the Munster final of 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 their play after that, and that they you know in the Munster final they soloed a lot with the ball. They didn't use the ball very economically, you know, they carried it into traffic. Ultimately, those those solo runs ended in wides and, and shots for wides, you know, when they were actually tired. And uh, th- that's physically very draining. And, and you know, in the wide wide expanses of Coe Park, that's not a game that's going to be, that's going to do well against Kilkenny. They'll have to use the ball much more economically. And they'd have to take a, lot, a higher, much higher percentage of their of the chances if they that that would present them to the such. I suppose we've seen an awful lot more of Waterford than we have of Kilkenny so far this season. They beat Wexford easily enough in Nolan Park in the Leinster semi-final, then put in a solid display against Galway. But what to you are the question marks over Kilkenny ahead of this game? Um, well, I, I was I was must say I was I was very impressed with Kilkenny in the Leinster final because you know even. You know, when you see Galway since Galway are in good good form and, and Galway put up a big challenge in the Leinster final and they're physically very strong and Kilkenny met that physicality and they were very physical themselves and ultimately ran out pretty comfortable winners against uh, against Galway. So um I I'd, I think from like Kilkenny really the, I I think the, the the main kind of worries I'd have for them would be would be just the the, maybe a lack of depth in their panel compared to other years. You know, they they have lost a lot of players, and you know they're suffering a few injuries. Like uh, Richie Power hasn't got his way back. Now you have Jackie Turrell off this week with 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 a foot injury. Michael Fenley has become a bit more fragile, and and very much like it comes back onto a lot of, a lot of the expectation comes back onto TJ Reid and Richie pa- Richie Hogan really are carrying a a huge amount of. Uh, a huge amount of the the weight for Kilkenny these times. So, like that, that's probably their that's probably their Achilles heel. But at the same time, they're just playing so well. Uh, it's the, the those players that you know they're they're able to carry most uh, most days with them. You mentioned Jackie Terrell being out there. How big a loss do you think he could be for Kilkenny? Will we only see how good Jackie is when he isn't there? Because he's a guy that people have talked about for a couple of seasons. And have said, you know, he he could be retiring at the end of the season, etc. And he hasn't. And they say, well, his pace isn't up to it, but he, you know, it never seems to bother him because he's got such a good all-round game that you know he doesn't need lightning pace. Are we going to see exactly how important he is for Kilkenny this weekend when he's not there? If you see where I'm going with that, 
Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think Jackie's a big loss because he's really, you know, he's he, he's a real icon for them and in defence and you know, particularly you know, Watford are young. Uh, you know, Jackie's his has a huge amount of experience, and I think in addition, you know, Joey Holden is, is in his first year at fullback, and you know, while the, the, in the last couple of games he had Jackie Turrell on one side of him and Paul Murphy on the other, now you're going to have Paul Murphy with possibly two. Uh, newer players in the full-back line, which, which you know, changes the balance from very much from experience to inexperience. And, and that might be just a slight worry for Kenny as well. Nicky, I have a feeling I know the answer to the question, but I'll ask anyway, who do you think will win and why? I, I still think Kenny just have, just have a, you know, they have Reed and Hogan. And, and when the, any team, if Reed and Hogan were playing for Waterford, then I would think Waterford would win. But these, these for me are the two best players in the country and uh, I, 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 I think that Kilkenny will just have enough but I, I think it'll be, it could be a very, very close game and I, and I expect Walford to, to play well as well. Nicky, enjoy Sunday. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Oshin. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Nicky English on this Sunday's semi-final between Kilkenny and Waterford but what about the week after next? Galway taking on tip in the second semi-final. We'll have a lot more on that game in detail next week. We'll be hearing from both camps but first I spoke to former All-Ireland winning player and ex-Galway manager Noel Lane about what he likes about the Tribesmen so far this season particularly in their last game the quarter-final win over Cork. Well, I think they have a template there now, and it's about hard work. And all the forwards worked extremely hard, and Joe is no exception. He did work hard. He was unlucky. I wouldn't worry one bit about the fact that Joe had wide. He might have been a bit disappointed themselves, but overall, at the end of the day, it's not about any individual. It's about the team, the team Galway, and the team Galway are going well at the moment. And you know, as we said earlier, can they repeat that now against Tip? If they do, they'll be very hard beaten. Tipperary will not fancy meeting Galway. You know, we have an axe to grind with them over last year, six points up. You know, coming into the last. 20 minutes of the game and got hockeyed so really that's a huge motivation in itself as well so it should be a great game Is it only now we're seeing the benefit maybe of two things one sticking with the manager and Anthony Cunningham and two playing in Leinster because that was always going to take a couple of years to, to, to maybe get the positives out of I think playing in Leinster is great but I th- feel as well we should be playing in Leinster at minor month for day one I think that's, that's just the elephant in the room at the moment I don't think we should uh, accept or, or tolerate going forward without having a uh, our, our minors and three ones in there as well but for the seniors yes of course it's a huge help um, with Anthony sticking with Anthony I think you know we have a habit in Galway of yeah. getting rid of managers pretty quickly but in the today it's the players and the players that are available to the manager and at his disposal I think myself now obviously Anthony has proven that he you know that it was the right decision but ultimately you know in the semi-final and final if he's to fall people will come down again and, and, and look at the manager and I suppose that's the nature of it things are good at the moment and let's hope they continue that way Just before I let you go could this be Galway's year? It could be a course every year could be you know it can be anyone's year uh, but just one step closer we're still only at the semi-final you know and you can't be really looking at an All-Ireland yet you have to look at tape once the champions themselves and Kilkenny really all year and for the last couple of years races as first and second so you know we've a lot to do and we're not we're not naive enough to think that we've done it. We were really hopping and Cork just didn't really play well and hence the, the result was a bit lopsided. But look, it's going to be a lot tougher the next day and it's going to be a lot more difficult. There'll be a lot more questions asked of Galway about to career than there was by Cork. Does Crow Park 
suit this Galway team? Does it change when they play there? Yeah, I think I think there was a myth there about Torres and the amount of years that we haven't won there in all these games, which is a pure load of you know what. Uh, but um, I think Croke Park would suit Galway. Yeah. This is the rewind on news talk, and that was Noel Lane on Galway against Tipperary in the All Ireland semi-final on Sunday week. Of course, this Sunday it's Waterford against Kilkenny. It's a huge weekend, really, because the of course, the Premier League restarts. We've got two live games on off the ball at one thirty on Sunday. It's a West Ham against Arsenal or Arsenal against West Ham, I beg your pardon. And at four o'clock, it's Stoke against Liverpool. Uh, but also this weekend, Ireland take on Wales in a Rugby World Cup warm-up match. The first of a series of games. They're away in Cardiff for that one. Joe Schmidt names his team on Thursday. Uh, Alan Quinlan played in three Rugby World Cups in 99, 2003 and 2007. I've been talking to him about how players get themselves ready for the early part of the season, particularly in Rugby World Cup year? Well, for me, it was always exciting because, um, you know, there's a great prize ahead for, for the guys who get selected on, on the squad. Um, it's tough. There's no doubt about it because the competition is really high and, and you know, in the squad you want to have an edge and, and that's what Joe Schmidt will want um, every time they go out on, on the field, um, do a gym session. It's all about um, getting the best out of yourself and preparing really well. So it's it's exciting. There's no doubt... Um, you know, you, you're you know probably after four or five weeks, you're kind of itching to get out onto the field, and um, it can be tough because you're hanging around a little bit. And but the importance of the fitness is is vital at this time. Um, they won't be doing much rugby contact. They'll be doing some organisation and stuff like that in the next few weeks. You know, Ireland play they play Wales in the first warm up um, the week after next. So it's uh, the rugby will start increasing probably this week and, and next week. Um, but it's. It's really important, as I said, to, to get your fitness levels high, your strength levels high, and, and that's what fuels you for the rest of the season. But it's a great, exciting time, you know, to play the World Cup. I was lucky to be at three World Cups, and, uh, you know, very, very exciting. And this current group, um, there's great anticipation and, and excitement about the group um, after winning the back-to-back Six Nations. So they've got to embrace that, and I certainly, you know, as a fan, I'm really looking forward to to what they can do and hopefully we can uh, have a really good World Cup. Yeah, Joe Schmidt, so far, he's got pretty much everything he's done as a coach right You know, during his time in Claremont, at Leinster, at Ireland. And obviously he'll have looked back at the past and he'll learn lessons. And I suppose the biggest lesson is from 2007. We just didn't get the prep right, but it looks like that's, that's not going to happen again. I mean, we bounced back and had some good results in 2011. And then, of course, this year, 2015, we're looking good again. Well, that's the intriguing thing about sport and preparation, whether it's an individual sports person or, or a team sports person. Hindsight's a great thing. Um, you know, at 07 World Cup, if we'd performed and, and, and had a really good World Cup, it would have been seen as perfect preparation. But I suppose you have to, you have to look back when, when things don't go well and, and see if you can improve things. And I suppose, you know, being in, in Bordeaux at that time and, you know, we're in an industrial estate. It wasn't the RFU's fault. That's where we were designated yeah. uh, from Rugby World Cup, and we were, we were put there. Um, but they did everything in their power in the RFU to make it better by bringing in different chefs and stuff like that. And, and have done everything in their power since. I mean, they really did learn, to be fair to them. Absolutely. They've always done that. The travel has always been excellent. Um, just that particular time, we were in an industrial estate. And it wasn't that the hotel was bad. It was just the, the location, um, and it just became a bit monotonous. And, you know, players like to, you know, you have to switch off. You have to get in and out of camp get your mind in and out of it because if you come, become too intense uh, you know it can, it can have an effect on you so I think Ireland have got their preparation well hopefully they've got their preparation right this time they've decided to stay home not, not uh, travel much um, short periods in hotels and, 
and get their preparation right that way. England have you know been in Colorado, Wales have been um, you know they were in high altitude camp as well and going to Qatar as well. Um, so they've decided to travel a bit, but Ireland have stayed at home, and uh, you know you can still make great gains in the fitness and um, the sound bites coming out of the camp and chatting to some of the guys. They're they're doing really well in the fitness and strength, and that's really the key this time of year. Is you've got to increase the strength, the fitness, the power, and that's what fuels you for the rest of the season. So you know Joe Schmidt, um, we have to trust him for what's happened in the last two years. You know, hindsight is a great thing and experience. So Paul O'Connell is in there. Rory Best, um, Andrew Trimble, those guys would have been in, in uh, World Cup in 07 in France. So that bit of experience helps as well. But the brilliant thing this time is they've, you know, they've confidence, they've self-belief in themselves, they've been done, they're done that. Uh, they won't go in under the radar. There's no doubt about that because they're Six Nations champions for the last two years. But um, hopefully everything goes well. Um, the concern is injuries. You know, you're going to pick up some knocks and bangs in the next couple of weeks in the, in the warm-up games, and uh, hopefully that um, we don't get too many, um, that people aren't ruled out of the World Cup. And Keane Healy as well as someone who, um, you know, he's a world-class player, and he's struggling a little bit at the moment. Um, it'd be fantastic if he can make it, but uh, let's see what happens over the next few weeks. Now, you played relatively close to home in '99 in that World Cup. You played in 2003 and actually gave yourself a horrific injury while scoring a heroic try in Australia in 03, a, a try that got us through to the, the knockout stages, and then you played in 2007 in France. This World Cup is incredibly close to home. I mean, we've got games in, in London and the Millennium Stadium. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, or you know, what, what influence does that have on it? Do we look at it like it's a, a Six Nations, or, or can you look at it that way? Yeah, well, look, I think you're, you're close to home. Um... Ireland have been over in Cardiff and, and London, obviously, so many times. I don't think it matters. Once you get on that plane, there's great excitement. You're away, you're gone, you're out of the country. Um, they don't have far to travel, but I think, you know, going to Australia, um, you know, you get a chance to acclimatise, you go a few days earlier. Um, it's just the distractions, I think. Um, it'll, be, it'll be important that Ireland, you know, certainly being based in Cardiff initially, that you know, that there's not too many distractions for them, that they can switch off and relax and, and get out and have their own little bit of space um, when they're there. So that's an important balance you have to have. So I don't think it really matters. People will say, yeah, maybe it's an advantage, but for me it's not really. Um, they don't have to travel far, so I suppose that's, that's not a strain on the body. Um, and they know the place so well. The Millennium Stadium has been so good for, for so many Munster players, Leinster players, um, and, and for obviously Ulster players and Connacht guys who've been involved with Ireland over the years. We won a Grand Slam a couple of years ago. Um, the big fran- uh, big match that stands out is the French one, obviously. Hopefully we can get the other results. Um, I know they won't disrespect anyone, but I suppose that French game will possibly decide who, who, who tops the group and maybe has that potentially easier quarterfinal um, to avoid New Zealand. So it's you've got to take one game at a time, and that's their approach in the last couple of seasons. Um, I know O'Connell and Joe Schmidt will be thinking the same, and they, they always say that. It sounds boring, but that's the best way to prepare one game at a time, um, try and get the results, keep the players fit and healthy, and, and um, get to that big French game and, and try and get a result there. And, and you know, for me, to, for Ireland... Um, I think it'd be incredible if we could get to a semi-final, and you never know what happens then. But you know, having been to a couple of quarter-finals, I think it'd be it'd be a shame with this group if we if we didn't uh, push on and go a bit farther. What do you think we haven't got past the quarter-finals? I know it's a question that's going to be asked a lot in the next couple of weeks in the run into the World Cup. 
Well, I think um, a lot of the time it's been top in the group. Um, you're playing one, against one of the the, the big the big uh, Southern Hemisphere teams, and, and I, I suppose in in, Fran- in in Australia in 2003 it was um, you know it was it was France. Um, so you have a little bit of an easier path if you if you top the group. I think we have a great opportunity to top the group now. Um, in 07, we didn't get out of the group. And uh, in, in 2011, I think, you know, we played just, uh, you know, after a fantastic result against Australia, um, we played against Wales. Um, having topped that group, put ourselves in a great position to play against Wales, who, you know, we beat a lot, um, but they had a very good side. You know, Wales were fantastic at that World Cup as well and just kind of caught us at the day. I think back to that day in Wellington, um, I was very confident that, if we played to our potential, that we would win that game. But Wales and Warren Gatland had a great, great game plan and uh, just stopped Ireland at source. Um, there was a lot of chop tackles, put Ireland on the ground early, and, and huge amount of pressure on our halfbacks throughout the whole whole game. And um, and they got the result. It was a really disappointing one now in 2011, to be honest, because there was a great opportunity. But you know, that's it. That's it at World Cups. You got to take your opportunities. Um, and, uh, you know, you need a little bit of luck. So I think there's a lot of talk about this Irish team. Um, they'll want to keep their, their feet on the ground uh, and just prepare. Um, they've kind of gone in under the radar with their preparation. They've been pretty quiet about it. And uh, But I'm sure they're excited and looking forward to it and confident as well. Now, there's a possibility that Keen Healy could miss the World Cup. It's being reported that his uh, neck surgery and the recovery from it hasn't gone as quickly as expected hasn't gone as well uh, as expected how big a loss would Keane Healy be yeah he would be a huge loss he's a world-class player I think and uh, it was a tough injury for him to get Um, he's had such an incredible impact for both Leinster and Ireland the last number of years and and, and such a vital player an experienced player now but I suppose his health and well-being is the most important thing and uh, you know you have to be fit and raring to go going to a World Cup I think um, and that's a policy Joe Schmidt has always had. Guys, um, you need to train the week before the test game to, to show they're fit. And that's probably the best best way, uh, bar a little niggle that someone has that they've sit out a session. But, you know, it would be dis- very disappointing if Keane Healy was to miss it. Um, in saying that, Jack McGrath um, has done fantastic. He's a great player and, and has really improved in the last couple of seasons. David Kilcoyne is there. Um, James Croner is someone who could possibly come into the mix then as well so there's a lot of good options at loose head um, but in saying that Keane Healy would be a big loss if he was out and what's it like for Keane himself we don't know exactly what the situation is and we hope that the reports will prove to be not unfounded but we hope that you know he does recover we hope that he does get there but what's it like for a player when he's this far out from a world cup and it's getting nearer all the time and he's got an injury and he's not sure himself that, that that's probably very hard for a sportsman yeah, it is very difficult, there's no doubt. You want to play World Cups, only come around every four years, and he had that disappointment after being selected in the last Lions Tour, um, you know, damaging his ankle, um, had a ha- bad hamstring last year, missed missed a lot of the season as well. Um, so he'll be frustrated, but it's part and parcel of the game. I've, I experienced uh, a few long-term injuries myself. Um, he'll probably get a deadline. They'll probably have a, 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 a time frame uh, to, to be available. And, you know, sometimes the frustrating part is trying to get there and the what-ifs and, you know, am I going to make it? And then, you know, he either makes it or doesn't make it. And then it's a case of you can kind of draw a line in the sand, really, and you know where you're going. So it's a kind of a challenging time for him, no doubt. He probably knows more than any of us know at the moment. Um, he'll take the medical advice. But 
hopefully he'll make it. And, you know, if he doesn't, he's just got to dust himself down and, and try and get the injury right and his health right and, uh, you know, come back. Because it's a long season, there's a lot to play for and I'm sure he'll have other opportunities if he doesn't make this one. That's it for this week. We're back, as I say, next Monday as usual with a look back on the opening weekend of the Premier League. Don't forget to live and exclusive commentaries on Off the Ball this Sunday. At 1.30, it's Arsenal against West Ham. At 4 o'clock, it's Stoke against Liverpool. How will Liverpool's new signings settle in? It'll probably take us more than one game to tell, but it might give us an indication. Also next week, by the way, we'll have a look ahead to the Liberty Insurance Camogie semi-finals. I'll talk to you every morning this week on News Talk Breakfast in around 7.25 and 8.25. And don't forget, off the ball on every night this week from 7. And of course, it's uh, live on Saturday at 1 and Sunday at 12. Until next week, take care. Good luck. Rewind with Oisín Langan. I feel we have a, a, a pretty strong squad at this stage, but look, we know it's going to be it's going to be tested in the white heater battle the next next weekend. Um, we we know we're going to go be going in as underdogs, and um, that, that's that's where the two tests are going to be. And uh, look, now the real work starts. Obviously, everyone has to look at the opposition as well, and we have to look at the opposition we're playing, which is Waterford. It's a system, you know, that it's difficult to counteract, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, they, they tweaked it in, in the quarterfinal against Dublin, and they're capable of tweaking it again. Realistically, what we're facing is a very, very good team, very, very good hurlers. It's tough, there's no doubt about it, because the competition is really high, and, you know, in the squad you want to have an edge, and, and that's what Joe Schmidt will want um, every time they go out on, on the field. Chelsea, four times champion in the last... Uh in the last decade, Arsenal, fantastic club with great players. Uh, Liverpool, an amazing uh, investment. Man City, <laughs> the squad is is to laugh, and uh, also a, a club with with two Premier Leagues in the last uh, four or five years. And Man United with everything, the history, the players, the investment. <laughs> so everybody will be there.